Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. We want all children to develop a love of reading and books, but access to books, whether in or outside of the home, is not a reality for many kids. According to the latest Scholastic Kids and Family Reading Report, classroom libraries are only available for 43% of school-age children, and only one-third of kids say that they have access to a classroom library with enough of the types of books that they'd like to read. Today, we're talking with two educators who are working to bridge this gap. First, we'll hear from David C. Banks. David is the president and CEO of the Eagle Academy Foundation. He and Scholastic have joined forces to curate collections of culturally relevant fiction, nonfiction, and biographies for perhaps the most underrepresented group in literature, boys of color. This new classroom library, Rising Voices, celebrates the stories of Black and Latino boys. And later, we'll hear from Alyssa Thomas, a kindergarten teacher at Empowerment Academy Charter School in Jersey City, New Jersey. Alyssa is a Patterson Pledge grant winner. But first, let's chat with David. Hi, David. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. We're delighted you're here. And first, I wanted you to tell our listeners a little bit about your career in education. So um, when I went to college, I went to Rutgers University in New Jersey, and um, I was an engineering major at first, and then I shifted to political science with the intention of going to law school, which I ultimately did. I had not taken any teaching courses uh, throughout my time in my undergraduate uh, experience. I had never thought about becoming a teacher. Um, but when I graduated from college, I wasn't ready to go to law school right away. And so um, I decided to teach for a while until I figured out when I would go to law school. And I taught at an elementary school in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and it was just one of the most thrilling experiences I had ever had. To look in the eyes of third and fourth graders who, who look up at you and say, you know, please do right by us, right? We want you to be a great teacher. It was really an amazing experience for me working um, with the young people that I was working with back at that time. And the only reason I left that school was to become the founding principal for the Eagle Academy for Young Men, which is the first all-boys public high school in New York City in 30 years when we opened in, in 2004. And, uh, and I only did that because I looked around as, as an African-American male, just seeing what was happening with boys of color was just so distressing and realizing that I could do something about it. And so I worked with the, one, the group 100 Black Men and we launched the school and I was asked to be the founding principal of the school. And, uh, and I did that. And I was the principal for the very first four years, graduated the first class, um, and then ultimately left to run the not-for-profit, the Eagle Academy Foundation, which was set up to really provide a level of support um, to the Eagle Academy. 
Uh, and in that role, I have since replicated the Eagle model from our flagship school in the Bronx, which started out as a high school, to a new model, which starts out at grade six and goes all the way through grade 12. And we have a school in every borough in New York City. We have one in Newark, New Jersey. As I sit here today, we have 3,000 boys in our schools, 1,500 graduates who've gone to colleges and universities all over the country. And, uh, and now we're training teachers and school districts across the nation in how to engage boys of color in the most impactful way. That is remarkable. Now you have the Rising Voices Library that you've collaborated with Scholastic on. I wondered if you could describe that and explain why it's so important for all students. Rising Voices is something that I'm extremely um, proud uh, and excited uh, to be a part of. Um, I don't think there's ever been a book collection that's been curated um, that really speaks um, to this notion around the lives of young men of color, where they uh, see themselves as the protagonists in the books. So I think, first of all, for those young men, um, it's another tool that teachers can use to keep them engaged. Um, and I know that happened for me as a little boy growing up. When you see yourself in the text, an authentic text, that is so critically important. It's empowering. It's uplifting. It, it says the world sees me and there are people out there like me. Even if I haven't done the things that Frederick Douglass did or Paul Robeson, I recognize that in, at, at its core, they are me and, and I can be them. Um, I think that is so important. And in the absence of that, you think that maybe there is no place for me in this world uh, because I don't see myself anywhere. I don't see my culture represented anywhere. And I think that those are things that are really, really important. But, but I would also say just as important um, is for all kids to see the lives and the stories of people who are not like them, who have a different background, come from different places, have a different language. Um, and to see that, to me, that's what education is about. Education is not simply about continuing to just talk about the stories that are aligned to who you are and your family and your community and your background. True education exposes all children to the diversity of the world and the rich experiences. And it says that everybody is to be valued because everybody has made a contribution. When you don't see that in the text, you will have a tendency to think that, well, maybe your people and have never done anything. I've never heard about it. <laughs> I've never right, read it. Right. And so it's, it's a, it's a, uh, I think Rising Voices is a great opportunity for all children. Uh, it's, it's being done through the prism of the lives of boys and men of color. Um, but it is a rich experience and a learning experience for all children and all adults as well. Because I would, I would go so far as to say that many of the um, teachers in our classrooms um, have not heard these stories. It's a great opportunity for them. I'd love to sit and, and watch a teacher who's cuddled up you know, under the covers on a Saturday night in their own apartment or their own home and reading these books before they ever get a chance to even teach them. Just what it will do for the teachers. Because I know that's the way I felt as a teacher. When I was preparing my lessons, separate and apart and away from the, from, the, from the students, 
just getting excited about the text and, and then saying, well, I can't wait to go in and teach this. Um, so I think it's a great opportunity really for everybody, for teachers, for all students. And I think just singularly, it, it will excite um, boys of color to know that they matter. Of course. Could you talk about culturally responsive instruction? Like tell our listeners who may not be familiar with the term, just what it means and why it's so important you're speaking about teachers. How do you help them teach books like these? You know, one of the, one of the books that's actually in the collection, um, there, there are two books that, that, uh, that I'm thinking about in this moment. Um, one is called Bippity Bop Barbershop, and the other one is called An Ode to the Fresh Cut. Now, the Bippity Bop, they're both about the same kind of experience, and that is being in the barbershop. Um, and Bippity Bop is about getting your first haircut as a little boy. And I remember that so clearly. I cried when I got my first haircut. There was something about when the clippers came on that was a little scary for me. And as they put it to your head, you, I was just afraid you know, what was going to happen. And, uh, and my mother and father to this day have pictures of me in tears. Um, but it, it was almost like a, a rite of passage that you had to go through, right? And, uh, and then I, I have pictures of my, my boys, my own children, who went through the same experience. It's a little frightening getting the first haircut. Um, but what happens over time is that that barbershop, it's, it's a communal gathering place where an intergeneration of men gather and the stories that you hear, um, not all of which are PG, right? <laughs> but it's, it's part of the experience of kind of growing up in the Black community. Um, it's important for teachers to know that. So we talked about culturally responsive pedagogy. It's teachers, all teachers need to understand what that means. What are those kinds of experiences? Well, why, why is the barbershop so important? So the other book that we talk about in Ode to the Fresh Cutter is an older boy who's now getting a haircut and he's getting a haircut because there are so many, being what we call getting a fresh cut, right? Makes you look good, makes you feel good. And it talks about how even the girls in the class are looking at the boy to say, he looks pretty good, right? And how that makes the boy feel to know that he's getting that kind of a, attention. Um, those are real stories and any boy of color who's growing up in an inner city understands what that experience is like. It's really important for the teachers who are teaching um, to understand those kinds of stories, to understand the power and the experiences of the culture by which you are actually teaching the boys. And so th that's just an example of a way in which I think Rising Voices also speaks to that whole story and that whole experience of uh, culturally relevant uh, pedagogy. You talked about a few of the titles. I wonder if you could tell us about a few others and why they were chosen for the collection. Well, there, there are a whole host of uh, titles, um, but I think what's important to know is that there, each one of the um, books in the collection is, is representing a one of five different themes in the collection, right? And so the themes really are heroes and role models, family, culture, and community, being strong and resilient, thinking beyond today, 
And then someone like me, memorable characters. Um, there's stories about the Great Migration. In fact, the book is called The Great Migration, an American story um, about how, you know, African-Americans came up from the rural South to the industrial North. Um, and for so many of the kids that we're talking about, this tells the story of their great-grandparents and understanding how they got to be where they are today and, and, and how they settled into these, these you know, many er, uh, inner city neighborhoods. But even if you're not an inner city student reading this book, it's an American story, um, uh, uh, kind of about the uh, America as we know it today and how it kind of came to be. Um, stories like that, I think, are really, really important. Tell us exactly what you mean by authentic texts. Uh, authentic reading where you have a chance to just get lost in that text and really create a love of reading. And these are books that I think were written so that, you know, you're, you're not just trying to read the first couple of pages. You, you, you don't want to put, the, you don't want to put the books down. Um, really exciting stuff. And I think those are the, those, that's part of the reason why this collection was created. So what grade levels are these geared for, these collections? They're written uh, from kindergarten through the fifth grade. Yeah, I'm certainly hopeful that over time uh, we will be able to, uh, to do it for middle school and high schools. Um, but for right now, kind of the first wave of Rising Voices is really meant for elementary school students. What do you want students and teachers to take away from Rising Voices? Rising Voices is an opportunity to help boys to live better lives and to be excited about the possibilities for their lives. And it says, we see you. We care. And that's why I'm excited to be part of this, this partnership. Beautifully said. Thank you again. Thank you. I have a really exciting story today. This book is called The Word Collector. Did you know that you can collect words? Let's find out exactly what that might mean. This book is called The Word Collector, written by Peter H. Reynolds. And this book is one of my favorites because the very first thing inside, before the title page, is a note from the author. Let's hear what he has to say. Just a few words from Peter Hamilton Reynolds. I hope my book inspires you to collect your own words. Keep being creative and help those around you to be brave and confident. Keep reading, keep writing, keep dreaming. Keep going and never stop. Let's keep connecting the dots. Your friend on the journey, Pete. Then it says, words rock, let's say it. That was Alyssa Thomas reading aloud to her kindergarten students in Jersey City. In 2018, Alyssa won a grant through the Patterson Pledge. Over the past five years, Scholastic Book Clubs and best-selling author James Patterson have teamed up to award grants to teachers around the country. In 2019, the Patterson Pledge was awarded to 4,500 teachers. These donations allow educators to add to their classroom libraries and provide a variety of titles so that all children can see themselves represented in the pages of a book. I'm delighted that Alyssa can join us today by phone. Hi, Alyssa. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. 
Could you tell us a little bit about the school where you teach and the community that surrounds it? Yeah, I teach at a charter school in Jersey City, New Jersey. It's called Empowerment Academy Charter School. Um, right now it is K through four. Um, we just added a fifth grade and every year after that, we're going to be adding an additional grade all the way up until 12th grade. So I started here three years ago. It was the second year that the school existed. We serve a, a wide variety of students um, in Jersey City, a lot of different backgrounds and cultures, and it's really diverse. It's really great. And our goal here is to empower children to go further in life and to sort of be their own advocates and really love education. Wow, that's wonderful. What would you like our listeners to know about your students? Um, Jersey City is one of the most diverse cities in the country. So, you know, you think a lot about urban charter schools and, you know, you might have a picture in your mind of what that might look like. And the truth is, I don't even have a picture in my mind of what that might look like from year to year. My students are always very different from one another, different from the year before. And the diversity is just unparalleled here. Um, in my classroom alone, I have about nine different languages that are spoken at home. And then in years past, I've had up to 15 different languages that are spoken. So I learn a lot from my students every day, sometimes more than they learn from me. Wow, that's really remarkable. We know, Alyssa, that it's crucial for kids to see themselves reflected positively in books. I wonder how this has made a difference for your students and also how you are able to provide books where they all can see themselves reflected? Well, I think in kindergarten, especially children at this age learn through reading. You know, they're still at that age where they can't quite put themselves in other people's shoes just on their own. So to be able to hear an experience of a book character really helps them to understand and empathize and think about other people in different ways. And it's so important that when I'm reading to my children, that they see characters who look and sound and act and do things just like them. So it requires a lot of work on my part to sort of hunt and search and find for those books um, that, you know, might have something that one of my students can make a connection with. And, you know, from time to time, that can be a struggle, but Scholastic makes it easy to be able to find the right kind of book for, for my kind of kids. Um, and, you know, I always make sure to have something that they're going to be able to connect to in the classroom. It's great to hear. Now, in 2018, you won a Patterson grant, of course. I, I wonder, how did you feel when you won it? And what do you think stood out in your application? Oh, uh, well, first of all, I felt just speechless. To be, I cried. I got the, more, uh, the email as soon as I got to school in the morning. It was like 7.30 and I just burst into tears because I was just so happy for my students and for the opportunity that it was going to be able to give them to have the kind of books that they want. And then thinking about every year after that, how all of my students for who knows how long are going to be able to benefit from that. Um, and to answer your question about what stood out, I don't know. Um, I think I, I have a pretty good way of articulating why reading is important to me in my classroom. And I hope that, you know, they sort of understood where I was coming from and that I wanted to be able to provide a large variety of my books for, for my kids. And I guess it worked. I don't know. <laughs> That's great. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Belatedly. Thank you. What are some of the books and resources you were able to provide for your classroom library and for your students? Well, since this happened last year, I actually asked my students and I shared the news with them right away. And I, I made sure that they knew that it was not for me, but for them and that we were going to be able to find whatever book they could dream of and that, you know, 
I wanted them, like it was a perfect opportunity to even go further and build that lifelong love for reading. And I wanted them to know that there were people, authors like James Patterson, who care about them and want them to have books and, you know, just making sure that they realized how special and lucky it was. And so I let them all pick something that they liked, you know, whether it be something silly like Minions or something more meaningful, like a story about a holiday they might celebrate. But from my perspective, I made sure that I really wanted to stock up on both books about diversity, lots of different types of stories, and also social and emotional learning. Because in my classroom in in kindergarten, those are the two most important things that I like to focus on when I'm not specifically doing curriculum-based learning. I, I loved that you let your students help you choose the books for your library. Why is giving kids choice so fundamental to cultivating their love of reading? Well, choice in general is so important for kindergartners because we can't tell them what they want, whether it's reading or food or anything else. They have to know. And the only way to figure out what they want is by sort of trial and error. Right. And so when they figure out on their own, I just made a choice and I liked it. And I did that all by myself. It makes them want to try and choose something else again and and sort of experiment with that. Maybe I'll try something different that I didn't think I was going to like. And so when it comes to reading, they know what they like and nobody's telling them, well, you have to read a book about this. You're saying the world is out there. You can read about anything. And all we have to do is find Uh the right book. Oh, it's great to have that choice. Tell us about access to books and why it matters so much. You want to set up your students to be excited about reading and to be excited about books and not to see them as something we do in school and then we go home and that's it. No, we want them to be able to bring a book from school to their house and say, mom, I read this book today and it was so awesome and I want to read it to you now. Anything that's going to motivate them to do anything relating to a book is is usually my end goal. And so when they're able to choose what they want and really get engaged and have ownership over it, then that's sort of when that excitement happens. You may have kids who are restless or who may not want to sit down and read a book, but if they really have something that grabs them or that they love, they're more apt to stay with it. Absolutely. I actually had a child this year when I was, you know, I slowly roll out the classroom library. I slowly teach them what a library is, how to treat a book, how to hold it, what not to do with it, how to turn the pages, all of this. And so on our very first classroom library day, when I brought them back and I have my books categorized by topic, I told them what the topics were. I had one child who refused to come over. He wouldn't even leave the area where he was. And I said, well, why don't you want to come over here with us? He said, I hate reading. I hate school. And I want to go home. And I said, well, first of all, that hurts my feelings. Second of all, (laughs) I don't believe for a second that you hate reading. I believe that you haven't found the right book yet, but I'm here to help you find that. And so I said, if you come over here and listen, you don't have to read a book today, but we'll circle back to this at the end of the day when there's time. And reluctantly, he came over and he had a grumpy face on for four hours. And, you know, he sat there, but you could tell he wanted me to know that he didn't want to be sitting there. But at the end of the day, when I had a few minutes, I, I brought him to my computer. We went on the Scholastic website and I said, what do you like? He said, nothing. I said, okay, no, nobody likes nothing. So he said, well, I just like playing outside. That's it. And I said, well, you know, there's books about playing outside, right? He goes, well, actually, I like the Minions too. And I said, well, I 
that UB can find you a book about playing outside and a book about minions. Would that be something that would interest you? And he wanted to stay grumpy, but he really couldn't once we found it. And he said, okay. And so I ordered them. And then when the book box came later that month, I made a big deal of a spectacle on it for him specifically. And I said, your Minions book is here. And he actually couldn't wait to read it, which was like one of my proudest moments this year. And so that happens to be, I got him a book about playing outside. It was about a basketball player and the Minions. Those are the only two books he's read this year over and over and over again, but that's a win for me. So this month we're placing our order. So I'm going to sit down with him and let him pick a couple more and see if we can branch out a little bit. Gosh, what a terrific story, Alyssa. Well, that's a championship for me. That's a home run. <laughs> <How's that? laughs> Thank you. All great to hear, Alyssa. We wish you and your students and their families continued success and happy reading. Thank you so much. Our great thanks to David C. Banks and Alyssa Thomas for joining us today. And thank you for listening. To learn more about the books we discussed, head to scholasticreads.com or check out the show notes. Don't miss an episode of Scholastic Reads. Find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to producer Bridget Benjamin, associate producer Mackenzie Cutrazula, sound engineer Daniel Jordan, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time.